episode number four of the Runners of Cube podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Odie. My guest today is Mary T. Callahan. With five older brothers, Mary T. began running at 12 years old as a way to escape her testosterone-filled home and now has a goal of running on all seven continents. Mary T. is the founder and executive director of Girls on the Run Greater Houston. So check out our episode, get to know her and Girls on the Run a little bit more, and without further ado, here is Mary T. Mary, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks for asking me, Vicki. So let's dive right in. I'm going to ask you, tell me who you are, what you do, and where in the Houston area you live. So as you said, my name is Mary T. Callahan. I live in the Memorial area, and I am the executive director of Girls on the Run Greater Houston, as well as the founder of Girls on the Run Greater Houston. Oh, very nice. I didn't realize founder too. That's awesome. I love running. So how did you first get into running? You know, I am the first girl after five boys, and there was a lot of testosterone in my house, and so back in the 70s when running wasn't as cool as as it is now, I used to run. And my mom would literally stand at the door as I would go off and say, oh, must you run? It's not ladylike to sweat, you know, or, oh, this isn't healthy for you and all of those kind of things. And, um, but she never told me no, which as a parent, I find interesting because I think what she was doing at that point was well, I tell, you know, to her friends, she was probably saying, well, I tell her not to run, but she does it anyway, you know? And so it's just, just the fabric of who I am. I now don't run as much as I plot or, or walk, but um, I'm still out there doing lots of miles. So that counts. How did that progress? If you started, you know, when you were that young, did you, were you just running on your own the whole time? Did they have programs when you were in school? No, absolutely not. They um, actually, I um, started running by myself. We lived in a beautiful area of Connecticut that had a reservoir behind us. So I would go and run the reservoir and come back. There was a female teacher when I was in eighth grade, I think I was, that kind of took me under her wing because she also was a runner and lived fairly close to me. And we would meet and run very early in the morning, like at five in the morning. She did it because she didn't want to listen to the hassle of you shouldn't be running, you know, because that was a lot of what we heard. And for me, it was just great to have a mentor that was older and running. So, yeah. So I think, not I think, I know my first marathon actually came after I had children. My daughter was two when I ran my first marathon, but I did a lot of 5Ks and Five, five Ks mostly, 10 Ks weren't quite a thing until my adult years. What was your first marathon? Where was Paris. it? it Paris, was... France. Paris, well, France. That doesn't it's... sound like fun. It was, I mean. It, <laughs> it was awesome. Um, we, so my husband worked for a French company and so he went off in time for a lot of his work. And um, I had a two-year-old, I was kind of stuck at home and he was traveling a bunch. He said, why don't you train for this? And then when I go in May, you can come with me. And so I did. And um, we got there the day before the marathon. We stayed in a place that had a courtyard. 
um, with a lot of lighting. And so I woke up at like two in the morning saying, Jamo, Jamo, we're late, we're late. And then we realized it was the middle of the night. And so then we woke up late for the marathon and I literally was running up the Chandelisse to get to the start line at the, at the marathon. So it was, it was a fun experience. And I stopped and I looked at all those sites, you know, I walked into Notre Dame and looked at that and I would run for a little while and stop and look at stuff. So I was not, I've never been a time person. It's always just for the fun. Well, I mean, that must've been amazing. And where do you go from there? So where was your second marathon? Houston, I think. Yeah. So that I did, I did Houston a couple of times. There used to be an old, not an old, but a previous Woodlands marathon. Okay. That was, and so it was so desolate up there at this point, you're talking like 1985, 86, that a lot, a lot of the course you were by yourself. Like there weren't enough people to even have spectators out that way. And um, it was, it was always the week. I want to say maybe the same week as White Rock, which would have been last weekend or this Mm -hmm. coming weekend. And um, so always rainy and drizzly. So your choices were kind of like do White Rock or do the woodlands, you know, (laughs) and the weather was always terrible that, that particular week. Yeah. I mean, even right now it's, I mean, it's only, it's December 15th right now and it's 50 degrees out and kind of gross. I mean, not bad weather conditions, but for running a marathon anyway, but I like, I like the heat. I don't know about the heat, but I definitely like the sun. Maybe I like it to be bright out. If it's gloomy, then I feel gloomy, but I do like the heat. I like running. I like, I like the Houston humidity and the sweat of, of that, you know, so I don't, I don't mind it, but probably not for anything over a 10 K I couldn't imagine. Now I've personally never done a marathon, but I couldn't imagine doing a marathon in those conditions. Yeah. I'm just thinking more along training, you know, just running in. You said that you still run just not as often as you used to. What does, what does your like weekly running look like right now? So right now I actually signed up for the Houston marathon warm-up series. So I've been doing that with a friend when we're walk running it um and that's been exciting so this week we did 15 and next week I guess from the 19th somewhere between the 19th and the 27th we'll do 20 and although we're not signed up for the marathon I think that weekend we'll we'll do 26 just for us okay very cool I saw or somebody told me about you having a goal of running on every continent I do have that goal um, I started that t- in 2010 when I turned 50. Uh, it was a gift from my husband. Uh, I had a, fr- a friend, my running partner, that um, was already in- entrenched in that. She had done um, the Great Wall of China. And then for Christmas that year, uh, I jumped on board and was able to participate with her too. So the first one we did was... Um, the 2500 anniversary of the first marathon. So we were in Greece and, and wow. ran the actual course that um, that they ran mm-hmm. the original course. And that's Catherine Switzer. I ran with Catherine Switzer for about a half a mile or a mile up this ungodly hill. Um, <laughs> that was exciting. And then uh, my second one was Big Five in South Africa. And my third one was, let's see if I can keep them track, Marine Corps. And then my fifth one was Antarctica. 
I mean, my fourth one was Antarctica and my fifth one was uh, Machu Picchu. What was it but, like to run in Antarctica? Oh my gosh, it was amazing. The, the, the running was kind of, it was similar to today, only many degrees less. <laughs> and I mean, we got pelted with sleet and hail and rain and snow. Um, it was very treacherous. It was very, very slippery. And um, what, what we did was we ran from post to post. So there was like an Argentinian research post and then, oh, okay. um, and then I forget what the middle one was, but then Russia was on the other side of the island that we ran. So we just ran and did laps back and forth on that one. And I only did a half on that one. They called a few weeks before they were leaving and um, they had had cancellations. I think it was that year that that um, icebreaker got stuck in Antarctica. Oh, okay. Remember that? And, or, or some ship that's supposed to get through ice actually got stuck. And so um, they called and said, hey, we have two spots. Do you want to go? And literally, I was standing at the door and my husband was sitting in a chair and I said, hey, can I go to Antarctica in two weeks? And he goes, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and so and we, Sissy and I said, okay, we're going to go. And so... We, I ran a half that one because I was not prepared for a full. Two weeks notice is kind of pushing it for a full marathon. <laughs> yeah, that was a great trip to actually fly into Ushaya, which is the southernmost tip of South America. And then mm -hmm. you, you take a, it, it's a research vessel. Oh, okay. We took out through the straits and that was terrible. There wasn't one person that wasn't sick on the way down. Coming oh, yeah. back, we got lucky. The water was not as treacherous, but, um, and then they dock and you take little shuttle boats over to the island. I think maybe there was probably 70 of us that did it. Oh, wow. I was not picturing that big a crowd. Yeah. How, um, how long was the loop that you were running back and forth between the stations? Nine miles, maybe. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. It was only three or four loops. Right that we had to do. Yeah, I think that's right. So what's next on your list? Well, we have, I have um, Asia and Australia left to do. We'd like to finish in Australia and bring our families and make a big deal out of it. Um, Asia, I'm thinking we had an intern at Girls on the Run a few summers ago for, um, from a girl from Cambodia through wow. the State Department. And so um, I'd like to go and visit her and run in Cambodia or Thailand. Or that would be cool. Like that. And your perfect kind of weather. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Kind of on hold down right now though, huh? Yes. Unfortunately, it was actually scheduled for um, originally it's scheduled in my brain. It was scheduled for <laughs> June, 2019, but um, one of my daughters got married in September. So we weren't able to make it that time. Gotcha. Um, well, so you mentioned Girls on the Run. You're the executive director there. And I believe you have three daughters. I do. Is that uh, what made you want to work for, like to have the connection to that type of organization? You know, it really is. Um, in 1998, I saw an article about Molly Barker, who's the founder of the whole organization and the creator of Girls on the Run. Mm -hmm. She wrote the curriculum she started in Charlotte North Carolina in 1996 and um, 
I, she got the Golden Shoe Award in Runner's World magazine. So I put that on my refrigerator and said, one of these days I'm going to do that. You know, I think this is a great program. And then in 2000, they had another article about her. And I decided that was God telling me it was time to do this. And at that point, I had a daughter just going into middle school and then two younger ones. And I had seen my daughters do what we refer to as the girl box, where, you know, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, nobody likes me, you know, girls are mean, all of that kind of stuff. And watching her try to navigate that was heartbreaking because I was bullied as a fifth through eighth grade girl too. And so I, I knew what that felt like. And I thought this program here, bringing it to Houston would help alleviate that for other girls moving forward. Okay, so what specifically does Girls on the Run do? So we are a curriculum-based positive youth development that incorporates running mm-hmm. um, the social emotional learning lessons. So if we, one of my favorite lessons from a curriculum is the gossip lesson. So everybody can relate to being gossiped about and how gossip spreads and things like that. And we start out sitting in a circle and talking about what is gossip. And then we ask the girls all to squeeze this tube of toothpaste and they all sit there and that's fun, right? Who doesn't love squeezing toothpaste? And so then we talk about, well, now you need to put the toothpaste back in. And they, they're like, what, you know, and well, that's what your words are. And then the second half of that lesson, we, a coach will read the story to the girls in a group and they divide teams and they have to run to each other and retell the story and come back and tell the coach the story. And in that lesson, they've run about two miles and the story is never the same. And they learn what it's like and how fast gossip can spread. So we are a program, that's how we function. That's how our curriculum functions. The girls meet twice a week for, it's eight weeks right now because it's COVID, Mm -hmm. but generally speaking, it's a 10 week program. And at the end, we host a 5K for them. So all the girls, um, you know, a thousand girls that are participating in Girls on the Run Greater Houston will all come together at a site, a neutral site. It's usually University of Houston or Rice University. And we host a 5K. So now the girl crosses the finish line and she's learned how to set a goal, work towards a goal and achieve a goal. And so you started back in 2010, right? 2021, I brought it to Houston. Okay. And initially when you started it, you were, you were doing this part-time. How did that evolve to become a full-time? It was, um, so I brought it to Houston in 2021 or 2001 <laughs> and um, started with six girls. You were supposed to have eight, but I'm a rabble rouser <laughs> and we, <laughs> I really wanted this program. And so we had six girls, two of the girls were my daughters. One was too old and the other was not old enough to participate. But again, I really wanted the program. So we started at a small Catholic school, John Paul II over here on the West side. And for a lot of years, Penn to be exact, if I had two full paying sites, whatever that looked like, I would sponsor two other sites that where the girls couldn't afford that. And so um, in 2011, uh, well, in 2009, I was thinking about stepping away from doing this and 
took a year to kind of figure out what I wanted to do at the time I during all of this I had nursed my mom she had lived with us until she passed away and um, I was working as as an athletic director and also working for a pediatrician so I was kind of busy and raising three girls so I needed a break took some time and decided I really did want this to to thrive and the only way it was going to thrive is if I put my whole heart and soul in it and so um, in 2011, I was blessed meeting just the right people all at the right time, got a great board together that wanted also wanted to see this program move forward and um, was still probably part time for maybe until 2012. At that time, I became full full time and brought employees on for the first time in 2015. Very cool. And so when you started with six girls in 2001, um, how many are you said thou, uh, 1,000 or how many are you at yeah, right now? So right before the, we'll base it on fall of last year before things went wonky. Um, we had 1,219 girls participating uh-huh. in fall last year. So we're serving in normal times, we're serving over 2,000 girls a calendar year. Oh, and we're based on the school year Mm -hmm. so we have fall season and a spring season and so that's that's where my numbers are coming from are from the fall season and the spring season gotcha and how have you been impacted by the coronavirus you know it's been tough you know we when this first hit we have a fundraiser every year called the sneaker soiree where everybody dresses up in really pretty clothes and then wears their sneakers which is lovely who gets to go to a fancy do and have sneakers on. Um, We had to postpone that. We pushed that back until September and then again till April and it'll probably push again the way things are panning out. Um, Our girls at the time that it hit, that um, COVID hit, we had 900 girls participating. We were able to make a great pivot and start virtually Mm -hmm. as quickly as we could. It was, we got lucky because it was spring break. And so we, my team and I had a week to like figure out what that was going to look like and to get in touch with coaches. So we did really well last year in the spring pivoting, but the, this year schools didn't want people on their campus and schools, you know, they hadn't really bought into doing things virtually yet. Okay. So this past season, we only had 78 girls. So but we're looking towards spring and we're taking site applications now and coach applications now. Um, and we're aiming towards about 40 sites okay. of eight, uh, eight girls site. Yeah. Okay. So, well, and I see that your 2021, your registration is open right now. So is that for the sites or for the girls or it starts with the site and then the girls can register? Well, the registration, probably the one you're looking at right there, just plastered right there is actually for the girls. Okay. So present, if you uh, were to hit that, you could see the 20 schools that we already have commitments from and already have coaches for. So, and there are four of these um, sites are virtual. So you don't need to be associated with a school. Okay. We're working very hard to try and find pocket parks, you know, so if the mm-hmm. school doesn't really want us a pocket park, we might be able to do. I you know, the girls need this program now more than ever, you know, it teaches friendship and it teaches communication and it, you know, 
a lot of the kids, one of their favorite lessons is the I feel lesson, which is I feel badly when you make fun of me because it hurts my heart. Please stop making fun of me. And that's a lesson, you know, parents come back and go, wow, she used that with her brother, you know, and those kind of things. So these are the lessons, plus the camaraderie, because everybody's been so isolated mm-hmm. is really important right now as well. Absolutely. Um, so for somebody like me, I don't have a site. I'm not a teacher or work in a school system. How could I get involved with Girls on the Run? Right. So um, we have other stuff. We have what is called our Adelaide's. Um, the the coach community or the coach commitment is pretty pretty big. It's two times a week for mm-hmm. eight weeks, and the lessons run ninety minutes. So it is a huge commitment. But we Houston's getting so big, and we are getting big enough that we need people in various areas to check on the sites for us, to make sure they don't need anything from us, um, make sure that the site is being facilitated the way it's instructed to be facilitated because the structure of the curriculum is really important. Um, so you just go on, on girls on the run or GOTR greater Houston.org and fill out a site or a coach application, a new coach application, and we'll get in touch with you and say, you know, this is where we think we could use you. Um, those kind of things. Very cool. And so what is the age range for the girls that participate? Two programs. One is third, fourth, and fifth grade girls. Mm-hmm. And that's our um, Girls on the Run program. And then our middle school program is called Heart and Soul, S-O-L-E. And okay. what's really cool about Heart and Soul, so middle school, as I explained before, is a little formulaic. You know, today, girls, we're going to talk about this. And, you know, it's very coach-led, as it should be for third, fourth, and fifth grade girls. But when about five years ago, we did a pilot in Houston with the middle school kids. And what we realized was they wanted ownership of this. They wanted to take the, the reins and, and lead themselves. And so there are two coaches involved, you know, as kind of a catalyst to help facilitate. But basically, it's the girls that choose what they talk about. We start them with a big idea of the day. The big idea might be it's important for each of us to know and appreciate each other's differences. Why is that important? And they have great conversations revolving around that. And a lot of times since they're in a school environment, um, you'll see that the conversations are, oh, we can improve here at our school or we can do this to make the school better. And so after about 10 weeks, you know, you've kind of changed the the community of the school just because the girls are you know holding each other responsible for the things they're learning in girls on the run and heart and soul very cool so what haven't you told me yet that you think houston needs to know about girls on the run you know first of all first and foremost that we're out here you know i think that's important we have been recognized by the harvard and Wallace Foundation um, for SEL, Social Emotional Learning Program in the United States, one of the top three. I think that's, you know, something to toot your horn about, toot toot. Absolutely. Um, I think um, if if you're in an area where you don't think it's at your child's school or if you wanna bring it to your area, it's really, really easy to do. We love talking about um, how to bring it to your school and what it takes. 
and I'll talk about that just for a second, if you don't mind. Um, so if you were the principal of a school or a teacher or even a parent, we hear from a lot of parents um, that you wanted to bring it to your school. The only thing we ask of the school is to have a safe place for the girls to run and maybe a room available if it's a rainy day. Mm-hmm. Um, we also ask that they supply two coaches, two to four coaches for the team of eight to four to 15 girls in a normal environment. Um, the, the pay scale or the fee scale for girls on the run is a sliding fee scale. There's no cost to the schools to bring it. There's no cost to the schools for the training that we do for the coaches. Mm -hmm. It's all fee based. Mm -hmm. And although it costs girls on the run about $202 to run the program, um, our highest fee is 165. And then it's on a sliding scale um, based on family income. And it goes down all the way to $40 on a normal season. Generally speaking, we're anywhere from 60 to 72 percent um, full scholarship, the $40 fee. And the girls that are in need, we also make sure that they get a pair of running shoes because the board and I both feel very strongly that learning how to love to run is also a life skill they can take with them anywhere in the world and any place but that's very hard to learn to love something when you're in the wrong size shoes or you're running in ballet flats or those kind of things. So we really wanna make sure that the girls are comfortable when they embark on this curriculum. That's really cool. I'm sorry, I just really like that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I grew up, I always did have sneakers but I have a lot of friends who didn't and and they needed them. and. And that wasn't something they could get for me. So for there to be a program in the community where kids, girls can get shoes to be able to run is, I think it's really important and it's really an amazing job that y'all are doing. Thank you. I'm very proud of work we've done. All right, we're almost done. We're gonna slip back into running for a little bit. So you are in the Memorial area. Where is the, your favorite place? Just if you had an hour and you were going to go out for a run, where would you go? Memorial Park. Park. Yeah. Well, I'd spend a lot of time on the Terry Hershey Trail because it's literally 12 steps from my house practically. Okay. So I a lot of Terry Hershey. But the energy that you get when you run at Memorial Park, um, I, I feed on that. And really, and since they've improved it so much, it's like being in New York or something in that central park. I just love it. I've, I've been out to, to Terry Hershey uh, and it's good. And there you can go a lot further, but I agree Memorial Park is, is where it's at. I haven't gone there too much recently just because people. Yeah. But it's one of my favorite places in Houston too. So we've talked about how you guys started running and we talked about a lot of the stuff you've done and where you've gone, but we haven't talked about why you run. it's my sanity Uh, you know as I mentioned growing up with brothers in the house and and just the intensity of what that was like in my family and the the ability to break away and have peace of mind and 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 peace in your heart and just think of nothing for 30 or 40 minutes was and is a blessing so 
that's my reason. And I, I used to be a very solitary runner. I, I think I mentioned that, but now uh, as I've gotten older, um, I, I enjoy the time, the three hours, you know, plotting out there with friends. I just, I, it's lovely. I miss running with friends. We'll be back in bigger groups, hopefully soon. Yeah. Lots of promising stuff coming out in the news the past couple of weeks. We're on our way. Thinking about the running community in general, who would you recommend that we talk to? Well, my knee jerk reaction is Heather Foley. And that's because she just did like the other day, Heather works for me Mm -hmm. and, um, the other day I said so what are you doing this weekend and she very nonchalantly said oh I'm going to run 50 miles and I was like whoa <laughs> that's amazing but another another person might be um Dave Lee who was the founder of FFP running all right Dave was not on my list but Heather is and I'm actually talking to her tomorrow oh we'll see yeah you know D- Dave started with the Bond Running Club that's grown okay. into an international cool thing of, of fun fitness and philanthropy. So um, he, I, I think he'd be cool to talk to. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Mary T for all of your time today. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of what seems like a very busy day and the amazing work that you do. Um, As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at runners of Hugh H O U and you can follow Girls on the Run Greater Houston on Facebook, Instagram, and I believe Twitter. And if yes. you want to get involved, visit their website at gotrgreaterhouston.org. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And we'll be back soon with another new episode.